My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, the Gospel record of, of Luke was a declaration of the things which were most surely believed by the disciples of Christ. And it was written through the Holy Spirit by Luke, who appears to be the only Gentile writer in the New Testament. And it was written, as we say, under inspiration, for Luke himself declares that it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, uh, to write unto thee in order, O most excellent Theophilus. It's important, brothers and sisters, when we read Luke's Gospel record, that we understand his declared purpose. Luke, uh, through the Spirit, did not contradict or write to contradict the other evangelists or curtail their words, but to increase the certainty of Theophilus, who had already uh, believed the, the Gospel, and to give him a perfect understanding uh, of the things um, which uh, he believed. And Luke's account of the ministry of Jesus Christ is a mixture of two things. Uh, and we have that recorded for us in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1 and verse 1, where, talking about the Gospel record, he says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And so the, the Gospel record of Luke is a record of all the things that Jesus did and it is a record of the things which he taught. Now, when we go to the Epistle of Paul to the Colossians, chapter 4 and verse 4, we learn something about the man Luke who was chosen to write this Gospel record. Uh, we learn it from Paul's description of him in chapter 4 and verse 14 of Colossians where he calls Luke the beloved physician. In other words, Luke was a physician or a doctor. And it is remarkable that he was a chosen vessel by the Holy Spirit to record many of the miracles of Jesus. And these have a peculiar prominence in the Gospel uh, which bears his name. Uh, it's only Luke which records that incident which we had in the fourth chapter uh, read for us. Luke's Gospel record, chapter 4 and verse 23 where uh, it was said to him in Galilee, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And that's the only place where this proverb, uh, which Jesus said would be said to him, is actually recorded. Physician, heal thyself. Uh, Luke of his own self, knew that it was ultimately beyond the powers of his profession uh, to cure the ills and the diseases of flesh. And there was only one who could heal. And when we go back to the Old Testament scriptures, uh, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, we find that the, the, the Old Testament prophets, Moses among them, specifically taught that Yahweh is the healer. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and uh, it's verse 39 see now that I even I am he there is no God with me I kill I make alive I wound and I heal neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand but Christ uh, foretold that the Galileans were going to pose to him a challenge. They were to accept 
that Christ was a physician, they were to come to accept that, but they were to question whether Christ could indeed heal himself. And those idle words which Christ places in the mouths of the Galileans pose a serious question to all those who believe that Christ truly was a physician. And that serious question is that given that Christ was a physician who could heal, was Christ in need of healing? And if so, could he heal himself? And those are the fundamental questions that are posed in this passage. Physician, heal thyself. Did Christ need healing? And if so, was he a physician that could heal himself? Well, that Christ was a physician was a truth that Luke records as Christ Uh, affirms of himself while he was still in Galilee in this chapter which we read together um, in chapter 4 of Luke's gospel record in verse 18 it says the spirit of Yahweh is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the broken hearted to preach deliverance to the captives the recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of Yahweh. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. Because those words, brothers and sisters, were spoken of himself. He had been sent to heal the brokenhearted and to recover the sight of the blind and to set at liberty them that are healed. Now the first act of healing which Luke records was that of a man which had an unclean Uh, spirit. And this is recorded for us in Luke's Gospel record, chapter 4 and verse 35. Let's have a look at it. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had come out of him in the midst, he, he, he came out, sorry, when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirit, and they came out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Luke's factual account of this healing in its simplicity reveals to us that the healing was performed by the words of Christ. And this illustrates to us a very simple teaching that would be denied by most medical men in the present age. Namely, that diseases can actually be healed by the words of Jesus Christ. Because that is what actually happened here. He commanded the the devil to hold his peace and to come out. And they, they marveled in verse 36 and said, What a word is this, for with power and authority he commandeth the unclean spirit and they came out but that brothers and sisters is a long standing principle of the ways of God let's go back to the book of Psalms to Psalm 107 uh, and verse 19 then they cry unto Yahweh in their trouble and he saveth them out of their distresses He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And that's the key phrase. He sent his word and healed them. 
And it demonstrates to us that the words of Christ, the words of the Scriptures are, are powerful enough uh, to heal people both literally uh, and spiritually. Luke next records in the same chapter the healing of Simon's mother and this again was accomplished by his word. Uh, and then Luke in this fourth chapter finally records the healing of many that were sick. And we get this in verse 40 of Luke chapter 4. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. This must have been a marvellous sight, brothers and sisters, to see men who bore diseases and women who bore diseases coming to Jesus and simply being healed by him. And Luke records that Christ healed them by laying his hands on them. The laying on of hands in the Old Testament times was used to symbolise the conferring of a blessing. Jacob laid his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh and this in this act, they became his sons and received his blessing. Moses laid his hands on Joshua and he received the honour of Moses. And Jesus laid his hands on the sick to confer upon them the power uh, of, of uh, to, to confer on them his healing power. And we see this explicitly stated in Luke chapter 6 and verse 19. The whole multitude sought to touch him for there went virtue or power out of him and he healed them all. The word translated virtue here is often, used, is often translated power and it is used uh, quite frequently of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. So Luke observes that the healing was by the power of the Holy Spirit conferred by the laying on of hands and Luke testifies that the master healed by his word and he healed through the power of the spirit now in the next chapter Luke chapter 5 um, there is a record of a man who was healed who had a disease called leprosy it was a terrible disease and Jesus was able to heal it let's have a look at a couple of verses in Luke chapter 5 uh, verse 12 it came to pass when he was in a certain city behold a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him saying Lord if thou wilt thou canst make me clean and he put forth his hand and touched him saying I will be thou clean and immediately the leprosy departed from off him and so we see, brothers and sisters, that Christ actually had the power to heal leprosy. Now in the Old Testament scriptures, it was the place of a priest to pronounce a man clean. But here we see that Jesus does this. Uh, in, in verse 13, he says, Be thou clean. But in the Old Testament, it was the place of the Levitical priesthood to pronounce a man clean. Let's go back to the... Uh, book of Leviticus and it's chapter uh, 14 uh, and we just want to have a look at um, the first couple of verses Yahweh spoken to Moses Leviticus chapter 14 this shall be the law of a leper in the day of his cleansing 
uh, he shall be brought to a priest. Now, these words apply to somebody who had already been healed uh, of leprosy. He'd been diagnosed with it and now the leprosy had gone away of its own accord and he had been healed. And what he had to do was he had to present himself with an offering to the priest. And this is uh, what it says in verse 19. The priest shall offer the sin offering and make an atonement for him that is to be cleansed from his uncleanness and afterwards he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the meal offering upon the altar and the priest shall make an atonement for him and he shall uh, be clean. And so under the law, a man who had leprosy, but who had been uh, cured of it, um, was not regarded as being clean until a priest had made atonement for him and had actually pronounced him clean. And in this uh, connection, the word atonement is, is judged by its common use in the scriptures because you can gauge the meaning of a word by how it is used as well as its dictionary meaning, the word atonement really just means the presentation or the sprinkling, sprinkling of blood uh, before God uh, by a priest. And therefore, brothers and sisters, in this simple act of healing, Jesus taught that he had the power to make atonement for a man and to make him clean, because he had uh, said to this man, uh, if, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean, and he said, I will be thou clean and on this occasion he made sure that the priests in Jerusalem knew that his power to heal was superior to the rituals of the law let's have a look at what it says in, in Luke's gospel record chapter 5 and verse 14 he charged him to tell no man but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. For a testimony unto them. So Christ directed the man to ask a priest to offer for him as an act of testimony to the priests. This meant that Christ regarded the sacrifice that provided atonement that was made by the priest as a testimony concerning Christ's healing power. You see, the priest could not heal all they could do was to pronounce a man clean who had already been healed. But Christ had the power to actually heal a person. And through the testimony of this man's sacrifice, the priests were meant to know that there was now a man in the land, Jesus Christ, who could heal, who could atone, and who could make clean a leper. Now, this act of healing brought great fame and as a result the doctors of the law and the Pharisees came from Jerusalem to see him and in actual fact they themselves on occasions were healed uh, by Jesus. And we get this in Luke chapter 5 and verse 15. But so much the more there went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day that as he was teaching, and there were there Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea 
and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So he even healed the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. Now, the next act of healing was also remarkable and it's recorded in verse 18. There was a man brought to him in a bed which was taken with a palsy and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. Here makes here Jesus, when he healed this man who was sick of the palsy, makes a, a vital link and an interesting link between disease and sin. And he puts these two ideas together in verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto the man, Thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? You see, the mind of the Spirit saw disease and sin in a similar light. They were both the consequences of Adam's transgression. Christ used his acts to teach the people. They all knew that he had the power to heal, else why did they come and bring the man who was sick of the palsy? But what they did not know is that he had the power to forgive sin as well. And this the scribes and the Pharisees could not accept. And yet it was the teaching, brothers and sisters, of the Old Testament. Let's go back to the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm 103 and it's the third verse Psalm 103 and verse 3 Bless Yahweh, O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name Bless Yahweh, O my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities who healeth all thy diseases So God has the power to heal and he has the power to forgive. And that power was now invested in his son, Jesus Christ. More than this, however, it is a principle of divine religion since the days of Eden that without the shedding of blood there is no remission. And that is what is written in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. And so we must always bear in mind that implicit with the forgiveness of sin is the idea of the uh, shedding of blood. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for many for the remission of sin. Now the next teaching of Christ concerning healing was equally as startling and it's found again in the fifth chapter of Luke's Gospel record and this time it's verse uh, 30. The scribes and the Pharisees murmured against the disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And here in these words, Jesus links sin with sickness. Before this, however, he taught uh, that 
here taught that using the healing of individuals uh, uh, and some sorry, before this however he had taught using the healing of individuals and some had thought that individual illness was always the result of some crime let's go to John's Gospel Record and chapter 9 John's Gospel Record chapter 9 and verse 1 it came to pass Uh, as Jesus passed by he saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciples asked him saying Master who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind and Jesus answered neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him now between this passage in John and the one that we've looked at in Luke we see that Christ lays bare the divine attitude towards all mankind. All mankind have sinned and come short of the glory of God and therefore all need forgiveness. All likewise are sick and they all need a physician. And that is what he's saying. They that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, uh, but sinners to repentance. Now in Luke chapter 6, we see that there was a man who had a withered hand, uh, and he too was healed by Jesus. Luke chapter 6 and verse 9. Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing, is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand, and he did so, and the hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness, and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain, and continued all night in prayer to God. And so this particular man was healed on the Sabbath day. Uh, We discovered earlier that in the beginning God had rested on the Sabbath day but this was of choice and not of necessity for the Spirit of God is not weary and it fainteth not. God later gave our law to man that he too should rest on the Sabbath day but in this matter God was the lawmaker and he was above the law. And this too was the position of Christ. The Father in after ages worked on the Sabbath And so did Christ, who performed this miracle to prove that he is the Lord of the Sabbath also. Now, let's move on to another interesting miracle in Luke chapter 7, which was the healing of the centurion's son. The centurion, obviously, was a soldier in Rome's army. Uh, He was therefore a Gentile, but this particular uh, centurion in Luke chapter 7 was a friend of the Jews. And in verse 4 we find that they came to Jesus and besought him instantly saying that he, that is the centurion, was worthy for whom he should do this for he loveth our nation and hath built us a synagogue. And so they wanted Jesus to heal uh, the centurion's servant who was sick in verse 2 because this was a worthy centurion who had built a synagogue for the Jews well 
what happened is that Jesus did heal the servant, but he did not do so because the centurion was worthy and because he had built a synagogue. He healed him on account of his faith. Verse 6, Then Jesus went to them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent his friends, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy. The Jews in verse 4 had said he was worthy. And the centurion says of himself, I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter unto my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say to one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled, and, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And so it was on account of this man's faith, not his worthiness, uh, that his servant was healed. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Two things come from this. Firstly, the healings that Jesus performed had been predicated upon faith. So therefore, the forgiveness of sin is predicated upon a person's faith. And secondly, Jesus could heal Gentiles who were afar off, whom he had never seen, because he never ever entered the house. He healed him from a distance. And this teaching is so heartening for us, brothers and sisters, who by nature are Gentiles, and who have never seen Jesus, and who have never met him. We, are, we live afar off in Gentile lands, but we can have the utmost confidence that Christ can forgive our sins as emblemized by the healing of the centurion's servant whom Jesus never knew uh, and whom he never saw. And so this demonstration of the power of Christ to heal from afar off uh, was great indeed, but it was soon going to be surpassed because later in this uh, chapter Jesus came uh, to a city called Nain. And here we find the account uh, in verse 11 uh, uh, of what happened there. Verse 12, He came nigh to the gate of the city, and there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And Jesus had compassion on this woman, and he touched the bier, in verse 14, and they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he was, he, the dead was sat up and began to speak. And there came a fear on all, verse 16. They glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God hath visited his people. Here we see, brothers and sisters, that the power of Christ extends to the grave. And it was this miracle that startled the uh, disciples of Jesus. When we add up all the accounts which Luke gives, uh, there was not a disease that Christ could not heal. There was not a place where he could not heal in. There was not a day that he could not heal on. And he even healed on the Sabbath. Uh, and uh, 
he could even raise men uh, from the grave. When, as a consequence of Adam's transgression, man went to his grave, Christ had the power to heal him up. Christ healed where no one else could. Let's have a look at Luke chapter 8 and verse uh, 43. There was a woman having an issue of blood which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Luke, speaking naturally, well knew that physicians could not heal many instances of disease. And when the Spirit penned these words through him, he would have known the truth uh, uh, of this phrase of a woman who had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any of them. Uh, but here Christ was able to perform uh, an act of healing. Now knowing as we do that there is a correlation between healing and the forgiveness of sin and the resurrection of the dead, we see in the Gospels a Redeemer who was to take away the cause and effect all the consequences of Adam's transgression. He was going to take away the sin nature and the sins which came out of that nature. And Luke helps us to understand this redemptive uh, process by his record of the deeds of Jesus. Let's go to Matthew's Gospel record, chapter 8 and verse 16. When even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Here Matthew sees a different perspective through the Spirit and he records the healings of Jesus in the light of the uh, Old Testament prophets and very often you find that Matthew uses this expression that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. Here we see that uh, he fulfilled that which was written by Isaiah the prophet himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And so he took away or healed the sicknesses and the infirmities of men. He bare them in the sense of removing them so that people were healed. Now this verse is a quotation of the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 53. So let's go now to Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now you notice that there is a difference in the words between Matthew and Isaiah. Matthew says, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Isaiah says, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. All of the things were borne or carried by Jesus or carried away by him. Whether they are described as our griefs our sorrows, our infirmities, or our sicknesses. Our griefs and our sorrows, according to Matthew, are our sicknesses and our infirmities, 
according to Isaiah. They are direct equivalents. What Matthew calls a sickness and an infirmity, Isaiah calls uh, a grief and a sorrow. But Peter, when he quotes this verse, calls them something different. Let's go to the first epistle which Paul wrote, to, uh, the first epistle of Peter uh, and chapter 2. And here he uses different words once again. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body. And so what Isaiah calls grief and sorrow and what Matthew calls sickness and infirmity Peter calls our sins. A grief and a sorrow a sickness and, a, and an infirmity is what Peter calls our sins. And Peter says that he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So how did Christ bear our sins in his own self? How did he do it? Because Jesus did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He is Jesus Christ, the righteous, uh, styled by the apostles, the just one. How therefore can it be said that Jesus bore our sins in his body? How did he bear our griefs and our sicknesses in his body? Well, he did this by bearing the flesh of sin. And this is what uh, Paul describes in Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. Romans 8 and verse 3. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. And so Christ bore our sins in his body because he, as the Son of God, was sent in the likeness of sinful flesh. So Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh and therefore he came bearing our sins in his own body. Look at what the psalmist says uh, concerning the bearing of Christ of, our, sin, of our, our sicknesses and our diseases. We're going now to Psalm 38 and I just want to pick on two verses out of this psalm which is deeply messianic as you will see. Let's have a look at verse uh, se uh, 7 first of all. This is the Spirit speaking in the Psalms of Christ. My loins are filled with a loathsome disease. There is no soundness in my flesh. Disease, brothers and sisters, is uh, a Bible word used to describe the flesh of sin. And it is likened to a loathsome disease. And again in verse 11, my, talking about Jesus upon the cross, my lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. The word which is translated sore here is often used of leprosy in the Old Testament. It was the loathsome disease which Christ bore upon the cross 
Paul calls it the likeness of sin's flesh. It's the same word, the word saw, that is, is, is mentioned in Psalm 38 and verse 11. It's the same word which is used in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 8. Again, a, a, a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. And that word which is translated stricken is the same word that is translated sore in the psalm. Christ bore the loathsome disease of sin's flesh. He bore, he was stricken with it. He he, he bore the sore which is called leprosy uh, in the Old Testament. The loathsome disease which filled the loins of Christ was, brothers and sisters, our flesh, the flesh which we bear. The flesh of sin was the sore with which he was stricken. And from this, brothers and sisters, Christ needed to be healed. And this is what the psalmist says in the 30th Psalm. A psalm again deeply messianic and talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Psalm 30 and verse 1. I will extol thee, O Yahweh, for thou hast lifted me up. That's talking about the resurrection, lift, being lifted up from the grave. And hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Yahweh my Elohim, I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me O Yahweh thou hast brought up my soul from the grave thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit and so it was brothers and sisters that on the resurrection morn on the third day that Christ uh, was healed I cried unto thee and thou hast healed thou hast brought me up from the grave thou hast kept me alive he was healed from that sore. He was healed from the, from the loathsome disease. He was healed from that disease with which he was stricken and afflicted. And so it was, brothers and sisters, that Christ bore the flesh of sin and he destroyed it forever. He took our loathsome disease and by the Father manifest in him he was healed from it. Yahweh the healer was manifest in the flesh and he was the physician that would heal himself and heal not only himself but others also. He did it, brothers and sisters, for himself that it might be for us. And so it was, brothers and sisters, that Christ bare the sin of many and rose to life again.